pray that that would really be true, what we've just been singing. That we would be willing to surrender our life to you. And that we would trust and obey what it is that you want to do in our lives and what you ask of us. And that we'd be okay with you taking it all. (laughs) Sometimes it's easy to sing those words, but to actually allow you to take all of our life and do what, what, what you want with it is kind of another thing. And so I pray that's really where our hearts would be this morning. God, I pray that by your spirit, you would help us to set aside the things that would distract us from hearing from you this morning. And that your word would be able to seep down into our hearts to encourage us in our walk with you. And maybe for some this morning, it might actually show them that you love them and that you have hope that you want to offer a new life that you want to offer them this morning. I pray that they would be able to see Jesus Christ. So I pray that you would prepare our hearts as we look at the word of God and speak to us as only you can. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you may have a seat. If you've been with us the last little while, you know that we've been wandering through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a uh, really a difficult book. Um, there's a lot of uh, deep truths found in the book of Hebrews, and uh, we're going to continue to explore those and uh, know this, that when we look at passages of Scripture, there's no way in the time that we have that we can unpack a, pack, a passage of Scripture completely. So we're just really brushing over it, bringing out some of the highlights of it, and asking that you spend some time on your own reading that passage and studying it for yourself as well. This morning, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 5, the first uh, 10 verses of that uh, passage. We're going to be talking about our eternal source of salvation, which is the person, once again, of Jesus Christ. And we've been talking about this as we've looked at the book of Hebrews. You have to understand that now in the book of Hebrews, when we start chapter 5, we're going to get into a section of of the next really uh, four or five chapters where we're going to get into some depth about who Christ is and what he's done for us. And we're going to talk at that from a number of different angles. And this morning is really the introduction to that. I'm going to introduce you probably to a character some of you may be familiar with, some of you may have never heard of him before. But he's an important character in how we understand Jesus Christ. But this, these 10 verses that we're going to look at this morning kind of set the stage for the next four or five chapters. And so we'll be looking at three thoughts from these verses basically this morning. Have you ever had a need or a problem that has shown up in your life where maybe it was with your vehicle? And especially now, uh, the day and age we live in, uh, it used to be that vehicles were fairly simple. And when something went wrong, it, it was the battery or the carburetor. That was pretty much it. Or uh, something in the drive change was uh, drive train was broken right off and you couldn't drive. And it was easy to identify that, look, it's one of these few things. uh, That's why it doesn't work. Well, that doesn't happen anymore, right? They've decided that it's really intelligent to put computers that nobody understands in our vehicles. And when problems happen, right, we can't just immediately, oh, it's, it's this chip 
in our, in our car. Uh, you have to go to somebody who's a specialist, right? You need somebody. When you have a problem with your vehicle now, you have to go plug your, your, your vehicle into a computer to find out what's wrong. And when they plug it into the side note, when they plug it into a the computer, they know every time your car burped. Uh, it comes up on the computer screen. Ask them sometime to show you. They know every little infraction that happened in your car. It's all there before them. But when you have a problem with your vehicle, you go to a specialist, right? Someone who can help you to understand what the problem is. The same is true maybe like this winter with your heat. If your heat went out, you don't go downstairs and, and uh, pull the burner out and, and un unhook the, the oil as it spills all over your floor because you didn't shut it off. at the And, and hope that uh, you can figure it out and hope that you can get it hooked back up so it'll run right. You don't do that. You ask a specialist and you call, you call them in the middle of the night because that's when it broke and it costs you double time, right? Because that's the way that always works. But you need a specialist. The same with electrical issues in your house. The same if, if you're at a point in your, in your life where maybe there's some medical issues. You, you don't go on, well, maybe you do. You don't go on Google and try to figure it out for yourself, right? Or maybe you're one of those people who go on Google and you realize you have everything. You have all of the symptoms and you're probably dying in the next five minutes. No, you go to a doctor, you go to a, a health specialist who will help you to understand what's wrong. If you're having problems with weight and you can't figure out why you're gaining or losing weight, you go to someone who's going to be able to tell you what's going on in your life. If you're having money problems, right? Usually you go to someone who can give you some advice on what's the next steps that I should take with my money or how should I stop spending my money in ways so that I would have more or how could I budget. If you have problems in your life, if you're smart, <laughs> there's an if, we look for someone who knows more about it than we do and we look for a specialist. Someone who has the authority who's learned, who's got a stamp of approval that they understand whatever the need is, whatever the problem is, and they can help us with it, right? That's who we go to, or that's who we should go to. Let's put it that way. Well, these verses that we're going to look at this morning, that's really what they're talking about. They're going to tell us this, that there's one who is the specialist. There's one who has the authority. There's one who knows the answers. There's one who has gone far enough and done enough that he has the answer for all of the sin issues that are found in our lives. That's what these 10 verses are going to tell us. There is one who has the authority, the ability, the knowledge to lead us in the right direction to deal with a sickness that every one of us in this theater, in the theaters that are watching, and the people that are online, and every person in the world is born with. It's a sickness called sin. And there is one person who knows how to deal with it. And that's what this passage is going to talk to us about this morning. 
Three thoughts from the passage that I want to give you this morning. First thought found in verse 1 and verses 4 through 6 of of Hebrews chapter 5. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, if not, the verses will be on the screen. But we're going to read verse 1 and then we're going to jump to 4 and 6. So don't get lost as we do this. But here's the first thought. Jesus was called to be a great high priest. I know we've talked about this, but... But the writer of Hebrews wants to remind this group of believers, look, you need to know this. Because here's the thing, people. I don't know about you, but I'm just going to put myself up here this morning because you're looking at me and I'm going to tell you something about me that you may not have wanted to admit about you. But if, if it's not true, it will be. If, it, if, if you're not admitting, it probably is true. Uh, here's it. You ready for this? I forget. I forget. Sometimes it's by choice, right? You know what I mean. Sometimes I choose to forget things. Sometimes it's by design. That's different. Sometimes I just plain forget because I'm human. And the author knows this about us, and he knows that every one of us struggle with remembering who Jesus actually is. You know how I know that? It's because how I live life. I'm a Christ follower. And there are times in my life where I forget who Jesus is and the part that he actually plays in my life. And you know what I know about you? If you're a Christ follower, you do the exact same thing. And so the author wants to remind us of something about Jesus Christ. He's the great high priest. Here it is. Here's the verses. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters of pertaining to God for the people to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. That's a human priest, okay? That was the Old Testament we're going to talk about in a minute. Now, Jesus... And no one takes this honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God just as Aaron was. Now, that was the Old Testament priest. They were appointed and called by God, okay? In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God, who said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father, also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. There's the guy we're going to introduce you to, Melchizedek. I know you may be sitting there going, who is this guy and why does he matter? We'll help you a little bit. And then in the weeks to come, as we look at the chapters, you'll get a better understanding even, even more so later on. I need you to know something about the, this passage, though, these verses we just read. Here it is. No one appoints themselves a priest in a human sense. Nobody appoints themselves to be a high priest. There are a few throughout history who tried. Let me give you some examples from Scripture. In 1 Samuel 13, King Saul tried to be a high priest. He was, waiting for, he was waiting for Samuel to show up before they went to battle, and he got impatient for Samuel to show up, and so he decided that he would, he would make a sacrifice to God without the high priest and take the role of a high priest, and you know what happened to him? The moment he did it, God took his kingdom away from him. He said, because that was not your role. Your role was king, and you tried to be somebody that you weren't appointed to be, and Saul lost his, his kingdom that day. Korah and his group of guys in number 16 decided that they would make themselves priests and God judged them immediately for trying to take that role. 
King Uzziah tried to enter the temple and burn incense to God. And on his way in, God gave him leprosy in 2 Chronicles 26. The role of high priest was appointed by God to man. It wasn't something that man decided on their own. The first high priest, Aaron, was chosen by God in Exodus 28. And he was chosen from men. And the tribe of Levi, the tribe that Aaron was from, became the tribe where all the priests came from for the Jewish people. Because God anointed and chose them to be the leaders, the priests, the high priests, the one who would go, the ones who would go before God to make the, the sacrifice for the sins of the people. And God appointed them and he chose them to be those people. And he chose them to go at the right time, in the right way, in the right place to pay for the sin of the people. And if they went at the wrong time, in the wrong place to do it, they were judged. They would be killed. They were appointed by God for a very specific purpose. And the need of these priests was to prove to mankind, to prove to all of the nation of Israel and the Gentiles who watched them that, look, mankind and God are separate. God is holy. Mankind is sinful. And they need a go-between. The holiness of God cannot look at the sin of mankind. And they need somebody, a mediator, someone who would go between the two. And so God looked ahead and he said, look, I will set up a system and there will be a high priest who's appointed by me and chosen by me. And he will go before God for the people. He'll purify himself before he comes into my presence. If he doesn't, I'll wipe him off the face of the earth because I'm holy and I'm God. And so this first verse tells us, look, we needed someone to go before God. We needed a mediator. We needed someone to be appointed to go into the presence of God to make a sacrifice for our sin. And here's the thing about that priest. That priest didn't just go for the people. He went for himself because he was a sinner. And he knew it. Can you imagine being the high priest and going into the Holy of Holies for the people, and knowing that if I didn't do this right, it's over. Can you imagine how nervous? I would be nervous. I'm a pastor. I would be nervous if every, I had to go and go, look, this group of people, I got to go before God and offer a sacrifice for their sin, and I'm going to go stand before God. And that'd be difficult. That's what this guy had to do. Verses 5 and 6, stay true to the appointment of, by God. See, this priest was appointed by God, and so was Christ. He appointed Jesus to be our great. Remember we talked last week? He was the great high priest. He wasn't just a high priest. He's the great high priest. And God the Father appointed Jesus to be that great high priest. It's a quote from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. Today I, have I begotten thee is not a reference to the birth of Jesus Christ. That's not what he's talking about. But it's the fulfillment of his work as a priest. Today you fulfilled the role that you were called to do on behalf of humanity. 
Today you have functioned and fulfilled your role as a high priest. Aaron fulfilled his role until his death. And it wasn't done. Somebody had to take his place. You needed another high priest. Because he couldn't complete the sacrifice. Because man kept sinning and the payment wasn't complete. But Jesus Christ as the great high priest finished his role. And his payment for our sin is complete. It's done. No more sacrifice has to be made. Hey, if you've experienced that, that's an amazing thing, by the way. That's incredible. Aaron started something that the line of priests from the tribe of Levi would have to continue for all of time until there was a payment that was big enough, that was good enough that was pure enough to pay the price for sin. Now, the interesting thing about this, and we won't get too far off, but I need you to understand it, is Jesus Christ didn't come from the line. He didn't come from the tribe of Levi. He came from the tribe of Judah. Now, how can that be? How could it be that if all the priests came from the tribe of Levi, that Jesus Christ could be the great high priest? Well, that's what that last verse talks about. If you were to go back to Genesis chapter 14 and verses 17 to 20, read it sometime, you'll find a story there about Abram. Now remember, this is pre-Aaron, pre-the priests. And this is where there was a battle that was fought. There was a whole bunch of kings that came together and they fought a battle. And God used Abraham to go and basically win this battle. And when he came back into what they call the plain of the kings, there was a king there. His name was Melchizedek. And that king was not only a king, but he was a priest before God. And it says that Abraham came into this plain and Melchizedek came out and he blessed Abraham. Now, I don't understand how that all happened in those days. I don't know all the significance of how that took place and what really happened by his blessing. But scripture says this, that Melchizedek came out and he blessed Abraham. And when he did it, Abraham turned around and in respect and honor of who Melchizedek was as a king and as a high priest, it says this, that he honored him and gave him 10% of all the spoils that he took from the battle. And this writer goes all the way back to that event. And he says this, look, remember how Melchizedek was a king and a high priest before God? That's who Jesus is. He's a king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the one who sits on the throne. And he's the great high priest who presents God to man and man to God. That's who he is. That's his position. He plays this, Melchizedek plays this incredibly important role of king and high, pri- high priest before God. And we're going to find out more about him in the next few chapters, but I need you to start thinking about him because he's going to keep showing up. So first, Jesus is our high priest. He's the one who stands before God on our behalf. Aren't you thankful that you have Jesus as your high priest? I am. I am, yeah. We can cheer for that. It's an amazing thing. Second thought I need you to get this morning is this. Jesus understands. We talked a little bit about this last week, but let me read these verses for you. Verse 2, and then we're going to jump to 7-8. Why we're doing this? Because the first verse, verse 1, showed us man. 
Verse 2 is going to show us man again. But the second set of verses show us who Christ is in that same thought. So we're going to see man, how Aaron, the priest, what the priest did, and then we're going to see Christ in the second verse. So here we go, verse 2 and then verses 7 and 8. He is able, this is the priest, the man priest, right? He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are, and are going astray, since he is also clothed in weakness. So Aaron, the high priest, the man, the hum, human side, right? He understood the needs of the people because he was a people, right? I know I didn't say that right, but he was human. He had the same weaknesses, he had the same desires, the same hurts, all that. So he, under, he could deal with people gently because he's like, I've been there. Now verses 7 and 8. Christ, during his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and, and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. He was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So Aaron was a sinner. And so his weakness helped him to understand the sins of the people and the need of a sacrifice. He had the same need of a sacrifice as the people that he was going before God on behalf of. But Christ, Jesus Christ, knows our weaknesses and understands our failings because he lived in a human body the same way that we do. He felt the effect of sin. He felt the result of sin. Now, let me help you to understand this. He felt the effect of sin. He felt the weakness. He felt the temptation, the thirst, the hunger, all of those things, the weariness, the, the tiredness that we face. He was tempted like we are. But also, Jesus Christ felt the result of sin. You say, what do you mean? Well, what's the result of sin? Anybody remember? Yeah, for as by one man sin entered the world, then death passed on all men, for all have sinned. The result of sin in our lives is death. Now that death is twofold. It's physical. Think of this, you were created to live forever. You know that? Some of you are sitting here in this body, no way. Not the way I feel. But see, in reality, God created you in his image to live forever, and it was sin. It was sin that made our bodies break down. So physically, there's a death. But also spiritually, because of our sin, our sin separated us from the person and the presence of God and that sin caused death to come on that relationship. And so Jesus Christ, in his human form, took on my sin, your sin, you know what that is. You experienced it this week. He took on my sin, your sin, the sin of the entire human race for all time. Let that sink in. He felt the result of sin, which is spiritual death. It's separation from what is holy, from his Father, the holiness of God. And that weight of sin was placed on him. Do you think he understands what you've gone through this week? You want to bet. Just multiply that a few billion times. He understands. 
So we have a high priest who understands everything that we have ever faced and then some. From his birth to his death in human form, he experienced every weakness, every hunger, every thirst, every tiredness, every temptation, every hurt. He felt the entire result of sin in his being. For you, for me. You want to talk about love? That's an incredible picture of love. He went before his father and he prayed to be saved from death. I don't think he was praying to be saved from physical death there. I don't think that's so. I think that his prayer in the garden was, God, we're going to be separated and this relationship has never been broken before. And the pain of taking on the sin of the world is not being able to look at his father and his father not being able to look at him because of the weight and the price of the sin. Incredible. Incredible. And he prayed, remove this from me. I don't want this weight. I don't want this separation. But because he is our great high priest, he suffered for you and for me. And he didn't just suffer, but he took it all and he finished his work. He was qualified as one who is superior, as the professional, if you will. I hate that word, but he's the one who knows it all about what it takes. That verse there, and it may be a little disturbing to you when I read it, it says this, that he learned obedience When you see that word, you may say, what? He's God. Jesus Christ is completely God. How could he learn obedience? What does that mean? It doesn't mean that he was disobedient and he learned to be obedient. That's not what it's saying. It's saying this, that he was given a role and he matured by experiencing the role and he learned what it was to say yes to the Father the same way we do. It doesn't mean he disobeyed the Father. It means that he just kept saying yes to the Father. He just was obedient and said, yes, this is my role. This is what you asked of me. I'm in. I will do it. I will continue to do it. And by the way, it's a beautiful picture for us. Because you learn obedience better, not by being disobedient and paying the price, but by being obedient, by saying yes to God. And the more times you say yes to God, the, more, the easier it is for you to be obedient. The more mature you become in your obedience. And that's really the picture he's painting. He did a perfect job in fulfilling his role and being obedient to the Father. What a great picture for us. So he was what? He was our high priest. He's the great high priest. And then scripture says that he understands everything that we faced. He took it all on himself. Third thought this morning. We're going to make it. The third thought. Here it is. It's verses 3 and 9 and 10. He's the greatest sacrifice He's the greatest sacrifice. Let me read these for you. Because of this, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the people. That was Aaron. 
He had to go before God and make a sacrifice for himself and then for the people. And after he was perfected, this is talking about Christ, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The high priest, the human high priest, had to go before God for himself and then for the people. And once a year on the day of atonement, he would go before God and make a sacrifice and hope that God would receive and accept his sacrifice for the sins of the people. And then they would start again and another year would go by and they would have to do it again. But Christ, it says this, he was perfected. Once again, does that mean that Christ at some point wasn't, wasn't perfected and wasn't perfect? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that his sacrifice was perfected. The word perfect here is the word, now we're going to a Greek lesson, you ready? Here it is, it's the word teleo. You can do that with me, you ready? The, the word is what? It's teleo. Let's say it one more time, it's the word Telio. The word telio is a Greek word here, which means to accomplish or finish completely. It's to do the work completely, to make it all the way to the end, to finish the job in its completion. That's like in, in construction language, it means this, that the punch list at the end that you were given all of the little jobs that were on the punch list, it's not just the big job. It's all of the little jobs are done as well. It's complete. There's nothing left undone. And so Christ was perfected. He teleoed. He finished. He accomplished the work that the Father gave him in its entirety, completely. He never left anything undone. You could say it this way. He finished the course that was set before him. So after he finished the course, what was the course? Well, he was born as a human being. He lived a life as a human being in our weakness. He went to trial as a human being. He was put to death as a human being. He went to a tomb, a grave as a human being. But unlike us, he rose again the third day. And that's how he finished the work that was set before him. And because he finished the work, because he was a complete sacrifice for sin, he offers us eternal salvation. Did you see the words in there when, you, when we read that? He offers us eternal salvation. Our salvation is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. It is not wrapped up in what we do, how we live. It is wrapped up 100% in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so he offers us eternal salvation. Now, if you notice the end of that verse, it says this, to all who obey. You might want to say it this way, to all who trust. To trust means this, that I put my weight. You're trusting in the chair you're sitting in right now. You didn't think about it. But when you came in this morning and you sat down, you put your trust that that chair would hold your weight. And what this author is saying to us is this. He's saying, look, Christ, the incredible great high priest, understands every need that you could ever have. And he wants you to put your weight 
He wants you to trust that his finished work is enough. By the way, anything you've ever done, it's not enough. It's not enough. But what Jesus Christ, the high priest, has done, it's complete. It's teleo! It's accomplished. It's finished. Let me ask you a question this morning as we wrap up. Who are you trusting in for your salvation? Don't answer too quickly because the way you're living your life right now tells who you're trusting. Is it what you're doing? Are you hoping that God sees you show up at church and do good things and live your life in a good way? Is that what you're hoping for? If it is, it's not a finished work because you can't do enough. It's impossible. Or have you put your weight on the finished work of the great high priest, Jesus Christ, and you're trusting what he's done for eternal salvation. God, would you grant us the courage, because that's what it takes. It takes courage to admit that we're not enough. We can't do it. Would you grant us the courage to yield our souls and our spirits to the great high priest and to put the weight of our need solely and completely on the finished work of Jesus Christ, the one who understands because he's been there, the one who understands because he's felt the result of my sin, and yet the one who's offering me eternal life. Help me to trust. Help these folks to trust 100% in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we have such a great high priest. Help us to honor and worship him together as a body of believers. In your name we pray, amen.